So Money episode 408, Patty Powell. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, your scheduling appointments, or to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. How's it going? It's Wednesday, April 27th, Wednesday. So you know what Wednesday means, right? We have a fresh episode of Follow the Leader on CNBC. And coincidentally, our guest on Follow the Leader is related somehow to our guest today on So Money, which I'll get to that connection in a minute. But just to brag about tonight's episode, you don't want to miss this. It is Katya Beecham. She is one of the co-founders and now chief executive officer of Birchbox. Are you familiar with Birchbox? Birchbox is a monthly subscription beauty service. Essentially, you pay $10 a month and every month you get a beautiful box full of beauty, hair care, cosmetic uh, goodies, sample sizes of things that you might want to try based on you know what you've told them about your skincare needs and your preferences. The hope is that you experiment with these sample sizes and then you go onto their website at birchbox.com and buy the full size of these products. And Birchbox has been through some growing pains recently, had to lay off about 15% of its staff. So that comes up you know, during our time with Katya. I had to ask the hard questions like, how did you come up with that decision? Why did you come up with that decision? Uh, How has that impacted morale? What is the vision of the company going forward? Her co-CEO had uh, stepped down recently. So it's it's an interesting time in its history. And I think to be able to go behind the scenes to see all of that play out and to watch this woman at the helm is very, very educational, very inspiring. So please stay tuned to CNBC tonight at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific. I'll be live on Twitter during the show, answering questions, sharing some of my insights from the episode. Uh, Of course, you can always DVR it too, but we'd really love some live viewers. It'll really make it for a more exciting premiere. All right. Now, today's guest is also in the health and beauty biz. Her name is Patty Powell. She is the founder and CEO of Restore C. Patty has an extensive beauty background. She's launched over 400 products for popular brands, including Avon, Elizabeth Arden, and many more. And her new product that she is at the helm of, Restore C, was born out of an unmet consumer need for gentler, 
anti-aging products that deliver real results. And she discovered this in not the most normal way. She was in Western Norway and she took a tour through the fjords of Western Norway, came across a tour of the country's largest salmon hatchery. And it was there that she discovered the secret ingredient, the anti-aging ingredient that is now in Restorcy and sold at a number of dermatologist offices across the country. Patty has her MBA from the Harvard Business School and she went to Berkeley undergrad. Patty, you know, we don't even get to the real so many questions because her tale of how she basically went to Harvard and then began her career, transitioned into entrepreneurship is a one of a kind story. I was so mesmerized by it, so consumed by it that I kind of lost track of time. But we do talk about financial failure. We talk about how to get into business school and we also discuss how to transition into entrepreneurship. So definitely definitely worth your time. Stay tuned. Here we go. Without further ado, here's Patty Powell. Patty Powell, welcome to So Money. Thanks, Farnoosh. It's like really great to um, meet you. Oh, well, and you know, hopefully we'll meet in person. I know that you're in New York. I'm in Brooklyn. And um, it's kind of funny that we're doing this over Skype, but uh, I feel like you're in the room with me. I know. I know. Um, this is one of the few times I'm actually in New York and I'm actually in New York because of you, because oh. Emily Parr, who is my um, publicist extraordinaire for Restoracy, she said, you have to be in front of a Skype. You have to, you actually have to be in front of your computer. And the whole issue is, is that I'm on the road pretty much every day because we're selling in the pro line, our professional line, which is a medical grade skincare line that we're selling exclusively to dermatologists and plastic surgeons. Um, but what that means is that, is that I literally do two cities a week. Um, I do probably about six to eight. Um, meetings the day, which means that I kind of run in and out of the car. Um, and so, um, in order to do this podcast, of which I'm so honored to be a part of, I actually needed to be in a place where I could focus. Oh, well, I'm so grateful. That's so, I mean, I hope I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not shifting your schedule around too much. Not at all. Not at all. You, you've traveled, you are currently traveling and have traveled so much in bringing this product to market and specifically to doctor's offices. And um, did you think this was going to be part of the journey? You've been involved with bringing over 400 products to market for big brands, Avon, Elizabeth Arden, to name a few. Did you realize that this was actually going to be part of your own entrepreneurial journey, that all this traveling and all this, all these meetings? And, and are, you, are you okay with it? It seems like it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Um, well, so never in a, so I am totally okay with that. Um, cause this is, Restorcy is like my family, my wife, my spouse, my child. So it was really interesting, Farnoosh. I, I was one of those girls who never wanted to get married. And, um, I never understood why. Like I was in 35 weddings in the span of seven years. And I've probably been to 200 weddings. Um, I actually like weddings, just not for me. Um, and I thought I wanted to have children until I realized that you worry about them your entire life. So I was like, I don't want to do that either. Um, and I realized <laughs> that the reason why this all happened, because your whole life is a culmination is because of restoracies. Restoracies like my spouse, my child, my life. Um, and I will do whatever it takes to make this company successful. But in a gajillion years, if you had sat down with me and said, did you ever think that your line would actually be successful in the medical channel? I basically would have 
just been in utter disbelief. So because I spent 30 years of my life in the consumer sector, I had no knowledge of the medical sector at all. Um, I started Restoracy um, because I found the greatest ingredient that I've seen in the 30 years I've been in the business. Um, and the reason why it's so great is, is that this enzyme only digests dead skin cells and it leaves the living cells intact, which means you get continuous exfoliation, but without any of the redness, the itching, um, the swelling or any of and the thinning skin. But what happened was, and so, but what happened was, was that I, it was kind of interesting. So I had a consulting firm. I ended up having four clients all based in Oslo, Norway. From 2008 to 2010, I went to Oslo 48 times and never saw the outside of Oslo. And one of my clients was so horrified that they offered to take me on a three-day hiking trip in Western Norway. Um, because that's the most beautiful area of Norway where they have fjords and water and mountains. And I didn't have the height. I didn't have the heart to tell them that I'm Chinese. I'm genetically programmed to not like nature. <laughs> I'm not athletic. And I really like, I really am not in very good shape, but, and they're like the reverse. So on day one, we're hiking 13 and a half hours up and down 3000 feet. At the end of day one, I did not want to hike. I couldn't walk. So and on day two, I was looking for a way to get out of hiking. We passed a fjord and on the fjord was this outcrop of very cute buildings. The outcrop of very cute buildings ended up being a very unique salmon hatchery that practiced synchronized hatching. And what that meant was, was that they hatched 200,000 salmon eggs at the same time. And they do that because the hatchery wants uniformity of size of the salmon fry, because if everyone was born the same size and they fed them at the same rate, everyone would grow to be the same size. So you wouldn't have big fish, little fish. Um, the whole concept was very interesting to me. Plus I was desperate to get out of hiking that I convinced my client to let me take a tour of the hatchery. So we took a tour of the hatchery. They were going through the hatching the workers' hands were in the water, herding the little salmon fry into another tank where they could grow and thrive. They were also picking out the unhatched eggs and the eggshells and putting them into buckets where they get they get recycled to fish food. I looked down at their hands, which were in this water all day, every day. Their hands looked as if they were 20 years old and their faces looked a lot older. So... I started asking the hatchery owner a lot of questions. She referred me to a professor at the University of Bergen who created the synchronized hatching process for the hatchery. I went to Bergen. I saw him. He had spent 30 years. He saw the phenomenon, but he's, he's 72. He spent 30 years of his life trying to figure out why the worker's hands look so good. And at the end, he isolated it to an enzyme that the salmon fry release in order to get out of their eggshell. Because unlike a chicken who can physically peck its way out of an eggshell, a baby salmon cannot. So when it's ready to be born, it releases the enzyme. The enzyme dissolves a portion of the eggshell membrane and it creates a hole that the baby salmon can swim out of unharmed. 
And the reason why the worker's hands look so good is, is because when this enzyme is actually exposed to human skin, the, the enzyme sits at the top two layers of skin and digests only the dead skin cells and it leaves the living cells untouched because this enzyme was only designed to um, digest the eggshell membrane, which is, which is comprised of dead cells. So what happened was, was I was like, oh my God, this is like the greatest ingredient that I've ever seen since I, since I found glycolic acid and helped and was part of the team that helped commercialize it um, in the late eighties. And this was so great in that it was a great alternative to retinoids and glycolic acid and alpha hydroxy acids in that it provided the continuous exfoliation, but it had none of their side effects. So it provided parity to superior results, but without any redness or irritation. So what happened was, was that I, um, I have a science background. Um, I'm always tinkering around with, um, different kinds of things. Um, I got the professor to give me a kilo of the enzyme. My friend, Ike, who's a formulator, and I spent a year in formulation. And at the end of the year, in August of 2011, I had two products, a day cream and an eye cream. And for fun, I sent them to Pat Saxby at Bergdorf Goodman. A month later, so in September of 2011, she called me and said, I'm going to take your line. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I'm going to take your line. And I go, why? She goes, you're great. Your story is great. Your product's great. We think you're going to be the next creme de la mer. We want to be a part of, we want to be a part of your brand. And I go, oh, she goes, what do you mean? Oh, where are you with this? And I go, these lab samples in this Ziploc bag. I mean, I literally sent her the lab samples in a Ziploc bag. Oh my. I know. And she's like, okay, when you're ready, come and see me and I'll launch you. Um, and I said, I have to write a business plan. Do you think it'd be okay if um, I said I had confirmed distribution? She's like, absolutely. So um, from September of 2011 to November, I wrote my business plan. And in November of 2011, I went to go raise my first round. And I raised my first round in six weeks. But the way I raised it was very... Um, unusual. So what was, I raised my first round from my classmates at Harvard Business School, but through my classmates, I met, I met my co-founder and business partner. Um, and he is the reason why we are here today. So he's one of those people who literally, so if God gave me the ability to create products and God gave you the ability for Nish to communicate. God gave my business partner the, the ability to make money. And by <laughs> that, I always say that when the money waterfall is falling, I'm the poor slob running around with a hat trying to collect the little drops where my business partner has the dumpster perfectly positioned un under the money waterfall. <laughs> he just, he just kind of knows how to do it. So it was kind of interesting. So I met him on December. 15th of 2011. We were supposed to have lunch. He was 45 minutes late. He felt very badly about it. We spent two hours. We had lunch. He never asked me a thing about Restoracy. He just asked me a lot of questions about myself, where my family, how I grew up, my work experience. At the end of two hours, he said, you know, this has been really interesting. I have a lot of questions. Um, 
I think we're going to have to meet again. I'm like, okay. He goes, what are you doing for the rest of the day? And I go, nothing. And he goes, I have something very unorthodox to ask you. Will you fly with me to Chicago, meet my wife, meet my daughters, his five daughters, and have dinner with us? I oh go, sure. Gosh. It was crazy. How, goes, you I found him through your co- your co- classmates at Harvard. He was my class. He was my classmate at HBS, but we didn't know each other oh. because he was a JD MBA, which meant he only spent one year with us. Um, and your first year at Harvard Business School, you spend with your section mates. So okay. if, if yeah, so so literally, um, I had a doctor's appointment. He had his driver take me to my doctor's appointment. They what does he for- do as a as a profession? He's just an investor in company. Um, Angel investor. He has an investment management company, but he um, he was a partner at Goldman Sachs, so he's very smart. So um, the he participated in the greatest in the greatest creation of wealth that you and I will ever see in our lifetime, and that was the IPO of Goldman Sachs in 1999. Uh, wow! Right. Because so basically, um, he made partner at Goldman in eight years. I mean, which was unheard of. A year later, Goldman Sachs went public. Um, everybody walked away. I mean, he's never told me this, but I've pieced it all together. Everybody walked away with between 30 to $50 million. Everyone who's a partner, right? That's why I say it's the biggest creation of wealth that we'll ever see in our lifetime. But these are money guys, right? Or they're like you, you're a money girl. So they know how to make money. And so they basically- God, give me the talent to make 30 to 50 million. I would like that. I think you'd be surprised. I think you will. I think that um, everything I've read about you and just in the converse, the short conversation we had, um, I would not be surprised. Let me put it that way. You so- heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> Patty predicted I'm going to make 30 to $50 million. <laughs> but anyway, what those guys did, Farnoosh, is they basically either tripled or quintupled it, right? So they all have a very nice net worth. So they started off with a good net worth and they now have a, a, a good net worth. So um, he actually retired from Goldman Sachs at a very young age. Um, and now he invests... He invests in um, companies, but um, mine was a little unusual. So let me let me let me just preface this: nobody wants to invest in a beauty company because it is really, 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 really hard because it is an oligopoly with big companies with deep pockets and huge distribution channels. It is really, really difficult, right? And you know, and um, his investment is primarily in biotech, which is difficult, but a little more manageable, but that's really what he does. But so anyway, so we flew to Chicago. So we basically drive to Westchester airport. We board his private plane, which is a 22 seater Dassault Falcon. Um, we fly to Chicago. I meet his daughters who at that time were all under the age of 11. And, and, you know, the good news is, is that, you know, I, like women of all ages, right? I want to help them. So his daughters are like, you're the greatest thing ever. I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> I meet his wife. I meet his wife. Um, we sit down to dinner and Mike, the chef, is basically reciting to us our menu for the evening. And oh. I'm like, oh boy, I'm yeah. not in Kansas anymore. So we have dinner. We talk. Um, in between the cheese course, 
and the dessert, which was, um, according to Mike, the molten chocolate cake. I asked Kristen if she wanted to see my product. Kristen is his wife. I asked Kristen if she wanted to see my product. She said, of course. I run and go get the product, which, by the way, are two lab samples in a Ziploc bag with a Word document, right? I give her two sets. I sit down. I eat my molten I start eating my molten chocolate cake. I look up. They're both smiling at me. And my business partner said, we just want to let you know that we're in. And I go, great. And I'm thinking to myself, Farnoosh, I'm like, Patty, you were so great. You just got a hundred grand from this guy. It was only eight hours. You're like a genius. And so as all of this is going through my head, my business partner said to me, don't you want to know how much we're in for? And I go, sure. How much are you in for? And he goes, the whole thing. <gasps> right. I mean, I already, I'd already raised half of what I needed from, you know, my other classmates, but he was in for the whole thing. And that's what really started our journey and our ride. And so when you talk about a financial win, that was my big financial win because it started the whole thing. Wow. He has been very, very instrumental in um, really the, the growth and success of this company. And what's interesting is that he spent most of the time wanting to learn more about you. As an investor, you know, we bought Shark Tank, right? And all the questions are about, you know, how much money are you making? What's your, what's your margin? What's the, what's the idea about? Show me how it works. We don't ever ask questions about family or goals or personal life. And this man, with all of his experience and all of his knowledge and all of his expertise in investing and finding the next big idea for you, wanted to learn more about who is Patty Pow for the most yeah. part. So what does that say about, you know, how we should measure um, success in life? I, I think that everyone – so I believe that when you die, you have to die clean. And by that is – so people ask me, how do you sleep? I go, I sleep very well. And by that, and by that, I mean that you actually have to be with people who share the same – it's not just ethic. It's just the same philosophy. And I think that, um, you know, if you work with people, I mean, and before he put really the big money in my company, he wanted to really see if we had the same philosophy. Do we have the same work ethic? How do I deal with um, conflict? How do I deal with crisis? You know, am I going to fold like a house of cards? You know, am I truthful? Um, and I'll tell you probably the, the story that really changed. That I think that really um, answered his questions about me. So we had negotiated um, to get the exclusive rights to this enzyme. So because basically he called me up in February. So we invested in December. He called me up in February of 2012 and said, look, if you get the exclusive rights to this enzyme, I will completely back you. And Farnoosh, when someone gives you your shot, you take it and you run as fast and as hard as you can. Yes. So I called him four months later and said, I got the exclusive rights. He goes, you're kidding me, right? I'm like, no. And I go, oh, you didn't think I was going to do this. He goes, I didn't think you're going to do it. So as part of the down payment for this ingredient, which is very costly, we had to give the ingredient company $10 million. Oh. So basically, he's like, great. He goes, I'm going to give you the $10 million. And for the $10 million, um, I'm going to take 20% of your company. Your initial and angel investors will take 10 and you take 70. And I said, absolutely not. He goes, what do you mean? And I go, 
you're putting in so much money, you cannot take 20%. And he said, no, no, but you're the founder. You should have at least 70. And I said, no, I go, you should have more. And he's like, I don't want to talk about this. And every time I tried to talk to him about it, he would hang up on me. Um, and so finally the day came when he had to wire the money. I called him and he's like, are we going to talk about the same thing? Like he was very angry. And I go, yes, but please just listen to me for 10 seconds. So I've never done a deal before. This is my first deal. You've spent your whole life doing deals. You've done them 112 times. I'm just asking, I'm calling to ask you if you can just think for an hour on how we can make this a more equitable arrangement. And if at the end of one hour, you come up with the same arrangement, I will thank you graciously and move on. And he goes, okay. And he hung up. So he called me back an hour later and he said, well, what if your initial angel investors have 20 and I take 40 and you take 40? And I said, that's completely fair. And that is kind of how we, we both bend over backwards to be fair. Um, and that just kind of is what holds us together. You don't hear often about fairness in business. You know, it's always someone wins and someone loses. I don't think life has to be like that. And um, I think that because I believe in karma, I believe that people get what they deserve, good and bad. Um, the difference is, is it may not happen within your desired time frame. Um, but I think that you have to, you just have to be fair. Like, I believe that you have to be fair. I believe that it just, you know, I don't think you can be a hundred percent of a giver, but I, and I certainly don't think you should be a hundred percent of a taker. Um, I was raised, um, it's better to be a giver than it's better to be a giver than a taker. Mm -hmm. My So Money team's recently become a fan of a company called Realty Shares that's disrupting the real estate finance industry with their crowdfunding platform. Here's some investment advice brought to you by our April sponsor, RealtyShares.com. Haley from New York writes, how do I invest in real estate in California? Well, Haley, one easy way to invest in any one of the 50 states is through a real estate crowdfunding website. There are a few, but RealtyShares.com has the lowest investment minimums. RealtyShares allows accredited investors to invest as little as $5,000 per transaction in residential and commercial real estate projects across the U.S. What's great about Realty Shares is that all of the real estate deals are sourced and vetted by experienced investment professionals. Thousands of investors are using the platform to browse through deals and invest in minutes. Of course, keep in mind that all investments are risky and may lose value. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For this month only, when you sign up at RealtyShares.com slash SoMoney and link a bank account, the company will transfer $50 into your linked bank account. Visit RealtyShares.com slash SoMoney to begin today. We talk about that on the show a lot. Be a go-giver, not a go-getter. You know, sometimes yeah. um, we are so tunnel focused. We are so, um, you know, razor sharp focused on our goals that we want to achieve a certain level of success that we kind of forget to take a step back and look at the big picture and, and see how we can help along the way. You have to, you have to help people. Like my whole mantra is, is that you always have to help people and don't expect anything in return. Um, like I, 
I have always lived my life like that. Um, it was kind of interesting when I had my consulting firm, I gave, um, people a lot of money, right. To help a lot of vendors to help my various clients and people criticize me. And they said, you're an idiot and a fool because you should charge these people because you're giving them a lot of business. And I said, I don't believe in that. What I say to the people who I give business to is, is you have to put my clients first. And even if Leonard Lauder is on the phone screaming for your attention, you have to put him on hold and help my client. That's the deal. Um, and so what's interesting was, is that I had the Pow Principle, my consulting firm for seven years, never took anything from anybody. But when it came time to start Restority, when I had the confirmed distribution from Bergdorf Goodman and had no packaging and no graphics, everyone stepped up like my the woman who's now my creative director did all my packaging and design development with me for free. I mean, I ended up paying her when I raised my fund, but for free. And um, I was having a conversation with someone and they're like, it's so interesting. How did you decide to like put your day cream and eye cream in jars? I go, actually, it's a funny story. Um, I did a lot of favors for this German company and I was having sushi with the president and I was telling him um, my tale of woe well, happiness and woe. And um, he offered to give me the jars for free. How is that? How did you finagle that? <laughs> what was in that sushi? Because I had given him so much business in the seven years mm. and never asked him for anything. And there he's you go. like, well, he goes, this is what, you know, I want you to, I want to help. I want to help you. It's so true, um, Patty. It's so true. I just finished interviewing um, some people for the CNBC show, uh, they're all like these mega entrepreneurs. And most recently, we aired the episode with Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a big social media czar and has a digital marketing agency. And his whole thing is when it comes to the deal, you need to be patient and just give, 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 give and hold your breath for as long as you can before you go in and ask for anything. But when you do go in and ask for something, or maybe it's you're just so kind and so generous. People want to go, how can we help you that, um, you know, that you're, you're just really, uh, once you make that ask, um, people will want to just buy so much from you, you know, they, they, because it's sort of been this pent up desire to help you out all these years as you've been helping them. I would agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, I think you just have to kind of just, you know, it's a long just, term. It's a it's a long yeah. it's a long term game. You know, it's not this sort of immediate gratification of getting the sale. You have to be very patient. Very patient. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a very patient person, but you know, I, <laughs> right? You it's know. testing. It's definitely it, it tests all entrepreneurs. I think uh, innate desire to 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 achieve success fast and um, our, our impatience. But Penny, did you always think you would? be an entrepreneur? I mean, clearly going to Harvard Business School at a young age, that, you know, that indicates that you are somebody who loves business, but running your own show is different than working for a company. And and how was that transition for you initially? Well, okay. So I, I, I want to disavow the notion that um, I, I, it's interesting. Never wanted to be an entrepreneur, went to graduate school because when I was 21 years old, my father, who never really gave me the time of day, called me up when I was a junior in college and said, so where are you thinking of going to graduate school? And I'm like, I'm not. And he goes, Patty, college degrees are a dime a dozen. You need to think about going to graduate school. And so at the time, I was like, well, 
you know, I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, I could, I had enough classes to apply to medical school, which I did. Um, and I got in, um, but I go, but I guess I'll go to business school. And my dad's like, that's a really good idea. Which ones are you thinking of? And I said, well, today's article in the Wall Street Journal said that MBAs are just a credential and, um, and they're going to be like a dime a dozen. And so unless you go to one of the top four schools, it's not worth your money. My father's like, that's very good thinking. Where are you going to apply? I said, well, the top four schools, according to the Wall Street Journal, are Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, and Chicago. And my dad's like, that sounds good. And in the meantime, I didn't have the heart to tell the man that I got a 540 on the GMAT, right? I was 21 <laughs> years old, never worked. Um, but I had really good grades at Cal, right? I went to Cal Berkeley. I had really 540 good 540 out of 800, y'all. That's, that's, you know. It was not good. No. It was not good. So I did better on the MCATs. But so anyway, so um, I applied to um, Harvard Med School. I applied to Harvard Business School. I applied to Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, and Chicago. And I ended up getting into all of them. Wow. Uh, so With a 540 up, GMAT? Yeah. Because in business school, they care about, they make you write 10 essays and they care about who you are as a person. Well, then why even bother asking you about your GMATs? My goodness. I hate standardized tests, by the way. Let that be known. Yeah, me too. Um, and Harvard tried to get rid of the GMAT, um, but they met with a lot of resistance. But I think when you apply to business school, what I encourage people to do is pay a lot of attention to your essay, pay a lot of attention to your recommendations and how you do in college really, really matters. Um, in terms of your activities, your, um, your grades, the whole thing. Um, so anyway, so, um, I went to Harvard Business School because... How many women were in your class? Um, the ratio of men to women was five to one, so 20%, not a lot. Yeah, Harvard is not... Um, and is that Harvard still the case, not, you think? Um, I think they say it's more like 30%, but Harvard is not um, a great environment if you're a woman. That's another podcast kind of thing. I mean, let me let me put it this way, though. I am deeply grateful that I went to Harvard Business School. Um, it really was one of, it really was kind of one of the most miserable experiences for me. And I call it the two consecutive years of my life where I was spectacularly unsuccessful, unsuccessful, which I hope I never repeat again. Um, but I can tell you that 25 years out of business school, I am deeply, deeply grateful that, um, they accepted me and I went because I could not have done this company no. without without it. Right. Well, we haven't even gotten to like my standard so many questions, but so much has already been incredibly invaluable advice. Just listening to your journey, Patty. I mean, gosh, where where is Resourcey headed to next? I mean, what's the plan for 2016? You've uh, yes. Yeah, our plan for 2016 is to close the year with 300 um, dermatologists and plastic surgeon offices. We want to be the Hermes of the medical skincare business, where we have where we're in the best offices, and um, because we've already seen from our pilot test of 10 offices that even with seven products, they're selling a lot of product. They're selling a lot of product because the product is very good. It works. But also, it's very exclusive, and you can only buy it from these doctors. Why did you want to make it exclusive? Why not make it something that could be affordable, more affordable for the masses? 
Well, A, my ingredient is very, very expensive. It's um, it's very expensive. So if, if the average ingredient cost is sixty dollars, mine is like twelve hundred dollars for a kilo. So it's very expensive by nature. So putting it together is is um, an expensive endeavor. Um, we also have invested millions of dollars in R and D. Um, so what we're doing is kind of the investment we've put into this company is very similar to what a drug company would do, right? It's peer-reviewed clinical studies, lots of clinical results, every kind of safety test, the whole nine yards. Um, and so it's why the product is where it is. Um, and we're a medical line too. So we're not going to be for everybody, but we're for people who we actually are customer profile. So we did research and this is when I realized this was going to work. We did research um, of what, a dermatologist patient profile looks like and ours and they happen to match exactly on and the first count was was that they were women who cared deeply about their appearance since puberty um they were women who had seen uh, who had seen and see dermatologists regularly even if they can't afford it they'll budget for it and they'll often pay cash and hide the expense from their husbands <laughs> and they were but and they were all women who were extremely interested in skincare products, um, and so and that was really our market, right? You have to, as you know, because you've interviewed many, 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 many business people, you have to put your product in the right market, right? And there's a market; you just have to find it. You it's know. very hard to find it, exactly. And once you find it, that's kind of where it is. Oh man, yes. Okay, well, one financial question for you, Patty, because we've talked so much about the brilliance of your journey, but listeners also want to know your vulnerabilities. So what was a financial failure that you experienced? Uh, it doesn't have to be something so cataclysmic, but maybe something that was a regret or a misstep as, along, your, along the journey to entrepreneurship. Um, well, uh, my biggest financial failure story, um, honestly has to do with my father who died three years ago. So my father was a very successful entrepreneur. He took three companies public on the NASDAQ. Mike Milken of Drexel Burnham Lambert took his first company public. But for news, this is like a, a sad ending. So my father died three and a half million dollars in debt. He died, um, losing his mind, his youth, his you know, all of that, right? Um, it took us 18 months um, to help my mom figure this out and she's now out of debt. Um, and what I learned from it is, um, and what I want to stress to your listeners is, is that everyone needs to plan for their demise. It's very hard to talk about, you know, death and all of that, but everyone needs to plan for their demise. You, you know, my father left no will. He had no life insurance. There was no plan. And what I learned from this whole story is, is that you got to plan for your demise. Why did he have three and a half million in debt? Um, because my father, um, so he made a lot of money. He's one of those people who, um, so when he left his companies in 1991, he left with $25 million in cash, right? Which is a lot of money, but even, but back then it was all off. It was yeah, you could live forever okay. and, and a couple um, generations on that. But what happened was is that he decided he didn't want to have investors. So he put all of his money into his ventures. Um, they were not successful. He went down to nothing. 
But then what happened was, was that a $100,000 angel investment was sold to Cisco and he got $10 million. Yeah. No, he's very good at this. He got $10 million from a $100,000 investment and he went through that as well. Um, I think what happened to my dad at the end was that, um, I think he, um, well, I know, I mean, unfortunately, I think my dad was bipolar. He was not in the best of health. And, um, I think that, um, his mental illness, uh, became very debilitating to him. He lost his physical, he had a triple bypass. Um, he never really recovered his physical health and his mental health suffered for it because I believe that the triple bypass was kind of the trigger that caused his mental health to break because a bypass is very traumatic, but also the anesthesia is, um, is yeah. proven to have um, very adverse effects on your mental health. And I mm-hmm. think he lived in a different, I think he lived in a parallel universe, right? Like just like that movie, a beautiful mind. I think he was living in that kind of universe um, that um, wasn't, wasn't reality. And when you think about reality, because I've thought about this a lot, reality is very tenuous, right? Because when you talk to people who have this mental illness, like they're living, I mean, like, how do I know Farnoosh that you're not a figment of my imagination? You know, the only way I would know that is, is by surrounding myself with total strangers, um, you know, and they're like, no, no, you really are talking to Farnoosh Sharabi on, you know, on so money. Um, But, you know, he, his universe was just a little different. Mm. Which made him brilliant, but at the same time was, was an impetus for, you know, self-destruction perhaps. It is. But I think there's a fine line between um, brilliance and madness. Yeah. I mean, um, I, 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 I think it's just a, it's a very fine, um, it's a very fine line. Well, Patty, um, you're my hero. I thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us. You're a very busy schedule. Where are you headed to next? Uh, well, I'm heading um, actually uptown to go see some um, New York dermatologists. And then on Tuesday, I head to San Francisco and Phoenix. Where's home for you now? Where are you home-based? I live on the Upper East Side in New York City. Oh, so close to all the dermatologists. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> the top dermos of the, of the world. Well, Thank you so much, Patty. Congratulations. And this is a remarkable story. I think that uh, listeners are truly going to be inspired by this. And um, we'll be sure to include all the links to where we can find you and learn more about the company and wishing oh, you continued you. success. Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for everything. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Patty, her website for RestoreC is RestoreC.com. That's R-E-S-T-O-R-S-E-A.com. And Patty's on Twitter at Patty, P-A-O-1. All this information back at SoMoneyPodcast.com along with the transcript and the audio and the comments. Click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there so you can send me a question for our Friday episodes. And as a reminder, tonight on CNBC, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific, follow the leader. This week, it's following Katya Beecham, CEO of Birchbox. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you back here tomorrow. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money.